following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. The Bible says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood of to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained have obtained a mercy again. My main text is but ye are, and I'm preaching with this subject, Christ, as Christians ye are, as Christians ye are. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as again and we open thy word and consider the subject, Lord, help us, Father, to see the importance of what it is to be a Christian and to live as Christian people should. And Father, this is an admonition uh, from thee through Peter to us. And Father, Lord, help us to be open to the admonition. Father, help us to be open to the instruction concerning these matters, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, as Christians ye are. And again, we're remembering that Peter is writing a general epistle to Christians and churches, as, uh, as opposed to some of the specific epistles the Apostle Paul has written to different churches. Now, he says here in verse 9, but ye are, again, talking to Christians at large and to the uh, Christians in the churches, of the churches as well. But he says, we talked about last time, ye are a chosen generation, that is, by faith, in Christ, those, these aliens to the family of God become members of God spiritually as a part of the spiritual family as generation speaks of offspring or children, etc. If you will, look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 14. Deuteronomy 10 and 14. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 10 and uh, verse 14 here the bible says behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the lord's thy god the earth also with all that therein is only the lord had a delight unto thy fathers to love the, them and he chose their seed after them even you above all people as it is this day he's talking about their seed he's talking about them as a family and remembering that israel was first a family and then a nation uh, if you will, look with me to, excuse me, Galatians 3, verses 6 through 10, Galatians 3, and uh, verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are, just, are, not, are under the law. Uh, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But he's talking about that uh, <clears throat> verse uh, uh, seven, know ye not that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. He's talking about the, the uh, generation, a chosen generation, chosen not by, by God without our say-so. As a matter of fact, uh, God chooses us to be a part of his family as we choose to put our faith and trust in him. Matthew 12, 
Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46. Matthew 12 and verse 46. And not all Christians are Baptists, by the way. But if they're saved, people are saved by the grace of God. We're all a part of the same family, spiritually, if you will, spiritually, the descendants and the generation of Abraham. In Matthew 12 and 46, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with him. Now these were his physical family, although we know that Mary herself was saved, Joseph was saved, and these children that he speaks, the Bible speaks of, are the children that she had with Joseph, many of whom were saved, some may not yet have been saved, but they come desiring to speak with him, imagining that, that God would prefer and give, give a special place to them, as, as being his physical family as well. He says in verse 48, But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? Again, he's speaking of a spiritual family. And he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Again, he's speaking of the spiritual family of God. And the Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we spoke of the, uh, the chosen generation. And then tonight, if you will, looking back to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And looking at verse 9. But you're a chosen generation. Oh, tonight a royal priesthood. Now I know we talked about this earlier on. We're going to touch on a few things and move a little further, if you will. Again, uh, we know that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, the <clears throat> Bible says, uh, To whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We know that we're born, of God, born again of God into this royal family. Again, the royal priesthood being... Uh, our standing with the Lord as children of the blood royal, as such uh, children of the Lord, the great King of kings and Lord of lords, we are then royal priests, and are to have uh, as those, to behave as those that are part of a royal family and what have you. And now we, we talked about in, in John 1, 11 through 13, that we're born into this family, born again by the Spirit of God. In Romans 8, the Bible speaks of our adoption. And if you will look with me to Exodus 19, Exodus 19 and 1. <clears throat> We're con- considered children of the king and a royal priesthood because of that. In, in uh, Exodus 19 and verse 1, <clears throat> I hear the Bible says... Um, in the, third, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they uh, into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to, to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount, and Moses went up unto God. And the Lord God called him out of the mountain, saying, <clears throat> Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. 
Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So again, he's referring to them, if you will, a kingdom of priests, speaking of our, if you will, our, our royal priesthood in Isaiah 61 and 6. Isaiah 61 and 6. It's a little warm in here tonight, amen? <laughs> Isaiah 61 and 6. <clears throat> Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the... Or verse 6, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, here, but ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat uh, the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. So we are the royal priest, if you will, a part of God's kingdom, if you will, uh, Revelation 5. Revelation 5, and we will rule and reign one day with the Lord. <clears throat> Revelation 5, and let's begin in verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, saying, or having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands, and thousands of thousands, and so forth. So and this is a heavenly scene, speaking of the fact that one day we will rule and reign with the Lord. And till then, we are part of the royal priesthood. If you will, look with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, we see Christ coming in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Here in Mark chapter 11, which speaks of his royalty, his being king. He is making what's called a triumphant entry as a conquering king, not as one who would be conquered. You know, many imagined, uh, the, the religious world imagined that when they crucified Christ, that they'd won a great victory over him. Rather, they had just helped fulfill the purpose of God in sacrificing Christ for the sins, even for their sins, and that he would rise again the third day. And one day, we'll sit on this earth in, in a throne in Jerusalem as the king of kings in this world in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 11 and 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say ye uh, that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found a colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them stood there, that stood there, said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? 
And they said to him, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments upon him and sat upon him. Now this was a custom when a man would be king to sit upon a new colt and ride into the city in, in this fashion. <clears throat> in verse 8, and many had spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches and uh, off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before that and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom <coughs> of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple and so forth. But we find here Christ's triumphant entry as a king. And one day he will sit in Jerusalem and rule as a king. And we will rule with him. But it's important, folks, as we talk about this, Christ came as a humble man. He came the, the supposed son of a carpenter, but what he really is and was is the king of kings and lord of lords. He comes in as king, but one thing he wants to show us, even as a man, is that he had not only the character of a carpenter, but the character of a king. And so it is with us that as we're, you know, you think of royalty, you should, we should think of royalty as well as those that sit in offices like the president, that those offices should, be, uh, should have within them those who live a high moral character, those that should be an example or ambassadors for uh, their nation or what have you. Oftentimes it's not been that way in the day in which we live, but in times past it has been, and even with our Lord Jesus Christ. Henry, Henry Ward Beecher, who was a preacher, said this. He lived from 1813 to 1887. Expedients are for the hour. Principles are for the ages. He's talking about living by principle as opposed to that which is going to be the most expedient, the thing that will maybe make you happiest at this point. Horace Greeley, an author, said this. Fame is vapor, popularity an accident, Riches take wings, only one thing endures, and that is character. And that is character. Ephesians 4 and 1. Ephesians 4 and 1. And when we speak of the royal priesthood, it should be a priesthood characterized by good behavior. Ephesians 4 and verses 1 through 3. Here Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And these are characteristics of Christ and his character. He lived this before the people. He was the, he, the Bible says that some that heard him speak say, he, 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 never a man spake like this man, never a man behaved like this man. As a man, he was a man of great character. <clears throat> Most Hindus, it is said, have a desire to visit the city of Benares at least once in their lifetime. It is a holy city to them with 1,500 temples. Wow, talk about a church in every corner. The road encircling the city is 36 miles long. To walk all the way around the city with devotion is deemed a very holy thing to the Hindus. Now, but Christians believe that how you walk is far more important than where you walk. You know, a lot of people have this mixed up. 
They imagine, well, if we just go to these special places, that's enough. It has nothing to do at all with character. How many evil people among the Hindus make the pilgrimage? Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 18. Colossians 1, verses 9 through 18. <clears throat> Here Paul writes the church of Colossae, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And remember walking worthy is folks walking with the, the Lord's testimony and uh, whether or not we're pleasing to him, uh, as, our, as our main goal, he says, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks <coughs> unto the Father, which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, with deliver us from the power of darkness, and translate us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Again, we're speaking of the, uh, the kingdom of heaven. We're, we're called to be royal priesthood, a part of, if you will, the royalty of this kingdom in whom we have redemption, verse 14, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So we find that here again, the, Paul is encouraging and admonishing Christian people, these Christians in the church at Colossae, to walk worthy of the God that saved us, walk worthy, if you will, of our king, because we represent him, we represent the royal to the kingdom of heaven to a lost and dying world. Charles Swindoll said this, Character is always lost when a high ideal is sacrificed on the altar of conformity and popularity. And folks, how many times have people, even Christian people, compromised their character for the sake of conformity and popularity concerning the world? Colossians 2, Colossians chapter 2, We have to be careful that we don't fall into that kind of a trap. Colossians 2 and 4. And this I say, lest any should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, and am I uh, in, uh, with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness in, uh, of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in the faith, uh, built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, and whom, uh, we'll stop at that point. Now again, is the context is referring again to the kingdom of heaven, and our position, our place, our responsibilities as citizens of heaven and our royal obligations to good behavior. And folks, not, not so that we can be saved, but to, in one sense to elevate that kind of character, the very character of Christ to the glory of God. You know, uh, we were, I've dealt with someone recently whose life is just an absolute mess. And they have no concept of living for anyone else but themselves, even at the expense of family and what have you. And it's terrible to see, but many people 
are living in that kind of life. Their life is a mess. They're, they're living for themselves. But, you know, when we get saved by the grace of God, God would have us live not for ourselves, not for our glory, but for the glory of God and the good of other people. You know, <clears throat> sometimes uh, people come and they'll talk to us and they'll say, well, what can I do? And we try to help them to work through problems and what have you. And what it boils down to sometimes is people simply do not believe God and his word. And it's important that we do and that we live and walk, not, not just live and speak, but live and walk the things we try to uh, help peop other people with. And yet sometimes people just, they just don't get it. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln said this, character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. You know, sometimes people have a reputation as for being a godly Christian, and maybe they're not. Maybe it's just a show. Maybe it's just a shadow, and it's not the real thing. What God wants from us is that it is the real thing, and that we are walking with the Lord's honor and glory as uh, <clears throat> and the good of others as our guide in 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10. Bible says, Your witnesses and God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe. Okay, he's talking about his walk and his testimony, maybe the shadow of his life, his reputation. As you know, we have, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Why? What's the goal behind it all? That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called, us un, called you into his kingdom and glory. You know, God saves you by his grace, makes you a child of the king of the blood royal. And you know, folks, there again has to be a concern for how we live and how we walk in this world. We need to walk worthy of the God that saved us. You know, God didn't, he saved us, if you will, not just from sin, but out of sin. To, if you will, to sin no more as we sing. Bible says uh, in 1 John 2 and 1, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Now we're never gonna be sinlessly perfect, but folks, our walk should be guided guided by our King, our Lord, and what would bring honor and glory to, to God and what would be good for others to see. <clears throat> Thomas Carlyle, who was an essayist, said this. He lived from 1795 to 1881. He said, show me the man you honor and I will know what kind of man you are. You know, folks, if we're seeking to walk worthy of God, that says something about what we really are and who we really are. Someone said, said once that your real character is what you are when no one else is around. Your real character is what you are when, no one, when, it, when we think no one else sees. Amen. But we need to remember that God always sees. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1, we're talking about character. And you know, <clears throat> it used to be that character was an important thing. Nowadays, it seems like it's a worthless thing to so many people. 
Bible says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more, not less and less. You know, if we're not careful, we'll allow the world to creep into our hearts, our thinking. You know, the philosophies of the world today uh, would, would have us believe that excellency of character isn't important. And yet it is important. It used to be important. You know, they used to say that a man's word was his bond. You know, people could shake hands and it would be like a verbal contract and said, I'm going to do this and people could be taken at their word and they valued their word as something not not to be taken lightly, not to be given lightly. Ralph Waldo Emerson Another essayist said this character, and this he lived from 1803 to 1882, character gives splendor to youth and awe to wrinkled skin and gray hairs. You know, where, where, now think about the generation in which we live today. In the world today, there are less and less people young people who are concerned about the matter of character. Sometimes it's that kind of thinking is creeping in, creeping in to our Christian churches. And it's affecting not only their lives, but the lives of others around them. You know, we were talking to someone recently, trying to talk to them and express to them that, you know, your behavior is going to affect your family has affected your family. And sometimes we, we live and we don't think about that. We think, well, I'm free. I can live as I please. And that's an, almost an irresponsible attitude. Because, folks, the Bible says, no man liveth unto himself or dieth unto himself. No man is an island. Yeah, amen? And so it's important as Christian people that we're concerned about our character, concerned about, if you will, our walk for the Lord in 1 John 2 and 6. 1 John 2 and 6. Bible says, He that saith he abideth in him, meaning Christ, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. It's one thing to say I'm a Christian, but do we walk as a Christian? Do we behave like Christ? It's interesting when the Bible says of those that were in the church in Antioch that they were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, they were called that as a slander, but they took it as a badge of honor. To be called a Christian, to be called someone who was like Christ. When we talk about character, we're talking about being like Christ. William Penn, another essayist, said this. He lived in 1644 to 1718. He said this, right is right, even if everyone is against it, and wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. Thomas Paine, who was one of the fathers of our Constitution and forefathers of the revolution said this reputation is what men and women think of us 
Character is what God and the angels know of us. <clears throat> These are men that lived, he, he lived in 1737 to 1809. Lived through the Revolution, Revolutionary War, he was an essayist himself. And you know, these men wrote, they thought about these things. And you know what's, you know what's sad? Is that there, there are people that do still think this way, still write this way. But it's, it's becoming fewer and fewer and less and less. And sometimes it's affecting even Christian people. We're not as concerned about character as we once were. And folks, says it, God hasn't changed. The problem is the world is changing around us and we're letting the, the world creep in to our thinking and it's affecting our behavior. And folks, our character for God, our walking worthy for the Lord brings honor and glory to Him and helps other people. But how many times do we stop and think about that when we begin to take actions and, and be, begin a certain maybe course of action. Are we concerned enough about that? We're a royal priesthood. We should be concerned about furthering the kingdom of heaven. And of all things that we need to have in our world today is that Christian people walk and live as Christ walked and lived. That means to be a people of genuine Christian character. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.